just found us. More podcast where we want you to know God more deeply. Find lasting freedom. Discover your destiny and make an eternal difference. Uh, uh, now. Bow, bow. Well, welcome to this week's podcast. Glad to have you back again. Uh, hopefully you've had an adventurous, adventurous uh, week and uh, you're back to hear some more stuff to help you make your lives better. Well, do you ever wonder why you take the time each week to listen to more podcasts? Well, I'll tell you why. More stands for maximizing opportunities for right now and eternity. So stop asking why you listen. Just never forget to listen and pass it on. This podcast episode was brought to you by Legs Design, a troupe of interpretive dancers who translate audio content into mesmerizing movement. Wide read boring transcripts when watching them danced out in more is more entertaining. Uh, yeah, that's a pretty good sponsor, I think. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that for a second. I didn't either. I was okay. uh, just going to go with it here. Well, here to... Uh, Oh, let's get that music going there. Yeah. It's kind of like getting people pep, yeah. pepped up, right? Dang. It's like Dang. Ready, you're ready to get out in the court, right? <laughs> well, here to help me with your weekly dose of more goodness, he's the only man who can barbecue in a snowstorm and have everyone lining up for seconds, Pastor Gary. Woohoo! All right. And sitting across the table with me right now, running all the buttons and knobs. The man who broke the internet when he was a model for Milwaukee Tools, Pastor Alex <laughs> Norton. <laughs> uh, I look pretty good in overalls. I'm just gonna say, you know, if that, they, if that I tool find. belt. You made that tool the belt. The tool belt. Great. Yeah, that's where it was at, right there. Well, uh, we do have some more twitters uh, coming in. Uh, people writing us already today, letting us know what they're thinking. Uh, We've got one here from a life coach goals. Um, they say the more podcast is like a virtual life coach, except my life coach doesn't judge me for binge watching uh, cat videos right after an episode. So I, yeah, <laughs> I, yep. I would never, I would never say I would stop doing that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to judge you if uh, <laughs> no, I would judge you. <laughs> oh, you would. Oh, you would. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just I happen to be the other way. I like to look at uh, monkey videos. All you know, time. I used, yeah. when I was a school teacher, I used to give out the dead cat award every did you every really? week. Yeah, student of the week got the dead cat award. What did that symbolize for? It, it was just like you know, the only good cat is a dead cat. I didn't say it. You did. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Uh, yeah, I. You know, for all of our podcast listeners that like cats, sorry. I mean, yeah, I don't want to. I have dogs. Cut off all three of our listeners. That <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> identify in that group. Uh, I do. You know, <laughs> I've had cats in the past, and uh, yeah, it's been great. But uh, yeah, we, we went to move to dogs. We've. All, I've only had one cat in my life. Really? Yes. My daughter brought a cat home from uh, her younger adult years, and uh, she brought that cat home. My wife loved it. Really, the cat got all of the petting. I got none. <laughs> yeah, right. I was I was seriously jealous and angry at this cat. Yeah, and uh, finally, Taking finally, the cat peed on my daughter's sweater, and the cat was gone. That's and it. I yeah, it's the Lord ever since. <laughs> Sounds like a setup, really. Yeah, I mean, I did you just happen to put that sweater in the right place? <laughs> was it near the uh, the cat's box? Uh, box? box. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, where, 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 what's that doing there? I don't know. Uh, another pod or another uh, Twitter came in from procrastinating nation. Uh, listening to the more podcasts make me feel like I've got my life together one episode at a time. Meanwhile, my to-do list is still crying in the corner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's kind of an interesting. Yeah. I mean, if I listen to this. I know I'm doing okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it said? <laughs> well, no, it's, it's procrastinating, you know, okay. instead of doing what they're supposed to do, they're okay. listening to the podcast, which is good because, you know, we have a full catalog of in comparison of to the more podcasts I'm doing well. Right, yeah. <laughs> right. Those guys are having some issues. Uh, yeah, so those just came in. We, we get them on uh, the show all the time. We've got a few more coming up after that. It looks like somebody's writing right now. Uh, well, we have some thoughts for the week, some things for you to uh, use around the table. You know, one of the things I, I try to encourage people to do is to have dinner around the table. And, you know, sometimes those conversations, you know, start out good, but then get really boring quick, you know. Mm -hmm. Eventually, they're just kind of like, well, let's just get done eating and then go our separate ways. You know, if you're looking for a way to put down your cell phone, this is one way to do that because you don't 
need to look up anything because I've already done all the work for you. Uh, so thoughts for so, the so weekend. So you're not one of those people that takes pictures of their food? No. Put it online? No. Uh, <laughs> my wife used to be an avid uh, food taker, photo okay. taker. And then, you know, I guess she saw the error of her ways and decided not, not to it's do it. It's never on the plate long enough for me to be able to take a picture That's of right, it. yeah. And uh, I don't really care what it looks like as long as it tastes good. Right. I mean, you could put it in a pile and mm-hmm. on my plate. At one time, I went out to dinner with uh, Pastor Matt to Mongolian bar- Barbecue. It used oh, to be his favorite place. Yes. Uh, and uh, so we went there, and um, I was digging into the meat, and there was a uh, completely, we'll, we'll say fried. I don't, I don't yeah. know, how, you know, what do you call that? But uh, they fried up a complete uh, octopus. Oh. Yeah. Went on that taco, just tasted oh. so good. Did you like it? Yeah. It For right real? Now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I like calamari, I guess, so. Yeah. It was, it was deep But this fried. was like the whole little deal. It was, you, it was like a baby optic. No. Uh, yeah. No. If, if it, you know, that's the thing. When uh, you went over to Israel, we went over to Israel, and they mm-hmm. have this thing called the Peter's fish. Mm-hmm. And you can get it with the head on or off right. when you eat it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got it with the head on. And, yeah. you know, it's got the eyeballs sitting there looking at you. It's and like, why are you eating me now? Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the guy that was serving us, he's like, oh, yeah, that's the best part. You know, right. you get everything done, you eat the eyeball. I'm like, no. I, you know, I don't mind getting into the culture and embracing it, but I have my limits. My my parents got me a, a couple of National Geographic magazines when I was a kid. Yeah. And uh, I remember one of my favorite uh, ones was the one that showed these Eskimo kids who fish eyes were like candy. No. no. I, yeah. And I just remember reading that over and over and just uh-uh. my brother and my sisters, we just thought that was the grossest thing that ever. That is right? disgusting. Yeah. Have you ever had one of those bulba teas before? What's that? Well, it's it's like a tea, but they put these little uh, like rubbery gummy balls in the tea, and they're mm. about the same same size as a as an eyeball. Okay. And yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see why people do I, that. It's just when disgusting. they drink things, I don't have to chew it. Right. Yeah. Okay. And or worry about choking. Right. Yeah. It's like tapioca pudding. I don't even eat that. Oh, you don't eat that. No, either. no. You should not have creamy things with little <laughs> hard things in it. Yeah, we used to call that fish eyes. My kids fish, loved it. We go to the Chinese restaurant. Pudding. Yeah, we fish eyes, and my kids would eat it just because they thought it was grossing my wife out. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of fun. Uh, okay, well, one of the things uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but we're giving you an update on the world's largest flagpole. Uh, oh, maybe you've been following this story <laughs> somewhere, but apparently, plans to build the world's tallest flagpole are being delayed. Okay. And they're not going through with it right now. Uh, I guess this happened before. Uh, the tiny town of Columbia Falls in Maine mm-hmm. is extending its moratorium on big developments for another six months following a proposal for a flagpole taller than the Empire State Building. Wow. Yeah, they want to go that high. Uh, with an observation deck and, and a flag larger than a football field, the planned tourist attraction would also have an auditorium, living history, museum, and a monument. Uh, town officials said they lacked rules and regulations for such a large project. They're worried about the fact that planes flying over and all other stuff. Uh, the town of 495 residents began grappling with zoning regulations at a town meeting after Moral War- Worcester, I guess that's how you say his name, proposed a structure stretching skyward some 1,461 feet. Mm. That's a big pole. That is. That's just asking for something. That's just slightly lady. smaller than the pole we're going to put up at the Harbor Light baseball field. <laughs> did you hear about that? No, I didn't. Let me, yeah, tell me about it. It was at the staff meeting we just talked about. Oh, yesterday. that's right. Yeah, we and did. That Eagle yeah. Scout uh, student from Harbor Light Christian School is going to put up that, and I think it came in right around fourteen twenty-two. I think so. It's just so it's slightly, slightly shorter than this. Slightly shorter to help us yeah. get underneath all the regulations. <laughs> So now yep. planes are going to have to watch out yep. for this area of the mm-hmm. as they're taking off. Well, because we're so close to the airport, yeah. right? I, I think that would be great. You know, if you could see that from uh-huh. the space station, really. I mean, that, exactly. why not put it up that high? And with a flag as big as you know a football field, I'm sure you could see it from space. There is there is a flag in Indiana at this insurance company. I can't remember what, which one it is, but they say they have the largest American flag in the country. Okay, and the thing actually is 50 yards long. So. Okay. Long, okay. It's 50 yards long. So when it's going, mm-hmm. literally, if it's not up high enough or they, you know, they drop it down for somebody's death or whatever, it covers the building when you're driving by because you can't <laughs> see what the name is. I'm like, this is bad advertisement. I might, you know, it's it's humongous. Okay. Uh, it seems like 50 yards. Maybe it's a little bit smaller than that. I don't know. Uh-huh. But if you ever go to through Indiana, you'll, you'll see this flag that's bigger than the building, it seems like. Uh... Another one that's on the uh, list of things that we're uh, looking at for fun and exciting stories to talk about is uh, in Southern Florida, uh, they're asking, why doesn't my car insurance 
cover iguanas. Well, while iguanas are strong climbers, uh, the zoo in Miami, uh, the spokesman Ron Miguel says climbing is an instinct uh, that iguanas have to avoid predators while they sleep at night. But the critters tend to freeze and fall out of trees whenever temperatures dip into the 40s. And uh, you might be asking, well, why, why do we have to worry about this? Well, when they wake up or before they wake up, the iguana is basically a popsicle and it falls out of the trees onto people's windshields. Uh, State Farm says it has seen a a vast array of auto damage caused by animals in the U.S. over the years, including, you know, the typical crashes involving chickens, alligators, cows, and even bats. But the most common animal involved in crashes, you guessed it, not surprisingly, is deer. I think most of us in northern Michigan have had that before. So whether they are caught in the headlights or not, they cause a lot of damage to cars uh, over the winter season. Well, pretty much all year round. But when it comes to uh, falling iguanas uh, damaging your hood or windshield, the insurance company says we do not have a policy available for that. Well, we're going to take a <laughs> we're going to take a ID break and we'll be right back. Discover the magic of transforming spaces with Sean Meyer Construction. From visionary designs to impeccable craftsmanship, we're your partner in creating remarkable homes. If you're looking for a contractor to do the right thing at the right time for the right price, let him build your dream together. Contact Sean Meyer Construction. Sean Meyer Construction. Yeah, that, whose voice is that? I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, pretty good. You're ready with your favorite host today, Pastor Gary and Pastor Alex Norton, as they come to you with information that you need to make it through the times coming ahead. Who are these guys? And more. Hmm. These guys seem to know stuff. I wonder what they got for us today. Mm-mm-mm. Rapture Ready News. Well, today on Rapture Ready News, we have an interesting uh, concept. I, I've never heard of this before, and I just uh, doing my research for this podcast. Found this. Uh, it's called the Rapture Ready Index. Have you heard of this before? No, I haven't. It's it's kind of interesting. Uh, for those of us that are trying to gauge, have some way to gauge what's going on in the world around us. You know, I guess we can read all the news articles and see what's going on in history, and we don't really know how to put it all together, except for that's another story about we're getting close. Well, the Rapture Right Index tries to solve that problem as much as possible to kind of give us some closure, even though we don't really know when it's going to happen. Okay. Uh, so the index claims that was developed uh, to have two functions, to uh, to factor together a number of related end-time components into a cohesive indicator. So all the stories, all the things that we're noticing. Okay. And then to find a way to standardize the information to eliminate radical emphasis on popular news stories. So you know, uh, say for instance, we're getting into a war now, but we've had a major war in World War II. So what's the difference? How does that factor in? And, and they put it in a numer- numerical understanding. So basically the way this works is it rates 45 categories of global importance from one to five on each of these categories. Okay, one to five. Uh, and so their effects on this category across the globe. How is it affecting us? What's the long-term effect of whatever that is? You know, if they would have thought ahead, they would have put it on a scale of one to six, six, six. That would have been, oh, that would have been better. Yeah. Not one to five. They kind of right. cut themselves short. Exactly. Well, uh, so they got one to five. So for example, right now, the debt and trade is rated at five. Okay. Globally. Nuclear nations is rated at a five. Okay. So it's the highest. And then climate is rated at a five, but they had other ones on there that were like three and two mm. uh, different things. So the way the scoring works is that you, out of a score of 200, um, that's total out of all the categories, out of 45 categories, Okay. a score of 100 and less represents slow prophetic activity. Okay. Not a lot going on. All right. A score of 100 to 130 is moderate prophetic activity. A score of 130 to 160 is heavy prophetic activity. And a score of 160 or higher means be rapture ready because it seems like things are lining up for everything to happen. Okay. But they're not saying that this is a indicator to automatically know when it's going to happen. Now, 
Uh, I gave you all of this really to kind of just help you understand that evangelical leadership are saying that what is driving this index higher right now, because we're at a 186 right now, (laughs) is the war in Ukraine. Really? So they're saying it's driving up to 186. you know, so with that, of course, I looked it up to make sure, because I heard rumor that uh, Ukraine were locking up Christians. Yeah, I've, and, yeah. and uh, I looked it up, and it appears to be true. Oh, really? Uh, yep. And um, and then there are the Orthodox churches yeah. that um, you have to re-register every year as a church. Okay. And now they've made it impossible for you to be able to re-register. What? Yes, and so all of these churches want to keep meeting, right. but they're not registered, so they're actually breaking the law so that they can be thrown in jail. So this is Catch-22. They're getting, it's yep. a sting operation, right? They want yeah. to find out the churches, and then they penalize them for it. So, yes. So as we send our $125 billion from our christian yeah. base nation to the one that's locking up Christians. Well, you know, why wouldn't we? Come on. Yeah. I mean, I mean we're, we're, we're here to help. Yeah. yeah, we're supporting other nations that want to blow us off the face right. of the earth. I mean, that's what we do as America. We want to help other places, you know, yeah. regardless of their politics or religious beliefs. Yeah. We just want to be there. I mean, you know, it's different. You know, if you're talking about like a major fire that hit one of our states, you know, we're only going to send $700 million there. But, you know... <laughs> In a place like that, that, we better send billions of dollars because that's just what we do as America, right? Yeah. Uh, according to Pat Robertson Jr. and Joel Rosenberg of the Joshua Fund, uh, they reported saying that we've never seen the convergence of all three major pieces of this prophecy ever coming into alignment until right now. And what they're talking about, uh, I'm guessing that Rosenberg is referring to China, Russia, and Israel yeah. all having massive problems at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so we know with China is building an army. They're mm-hmm. working towards that. Russia is going after Ukraine and they're asserting themselves more And Israel, obviously is still under attack, but now, you know, now we're helping the situation because we're giving Iran, you know, $200 billion, um, which was, that was helpful. Yeah. Because they're going to use it to take care of their people. They're not going to actually use it to, to start a nuclear war or anything. I mean, We've talked about that already. I mean, you know, they're they're they need the money to get their nuclear plants up and running so that they can have uh, power and electricity, you know, for the masses. Which I think that's that's very nice, very noble of us. To, so uh, so I heard that. on a, a, a morning uh, radio show this morning that a um, Iranian weightlifter, mm-hmm. forty five years old, Olympic weightlifter, holds many records. Really? Yep. Shook hands with an an Israeli competitor. Yeah. And now he's banned from. Um, weightlifting competition from training facilities. He's because banned that. the rest of his life because he shook hands with an Israeli com- competitor. Wow. That's stepping out, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> poor guy. He just <laughs> He's just trying to be, yeah. you know, sportsman-like, you know? Yeah. Well, we're getting there, too. I mean, really. I mean... In our sporting events, we don't we we kneel when we do the national anthem. We, you know, <laughs> I guess that's kind of yeah. True. So we're we're getting there too. I mean, eventually we're gonna oh, be. Man. Well, you know, the women's soccer team they lost, mm-hmm. and it was because of the the kick penalty kick by the one person I can't think of her name, who everybody was you know applauding and praising because she stands up for the alphabet soup the alphabet soup community, and um, after everything's done and said, they she still made twenty six million dollars. Uh, even though she lost because of all of her commercials and things she's associated with. And people are praising her, you know, for being this captain. Apparently she's retiring, okay. but she's, you know, she was this amazing captain, but she was telling her teammates, forcing her teammates not to put their hand over their heart during the pledge, a uh, national anthem, and uh, to basically take a knee whenever we started talking about America as being a great country. Right. I mean, like, you're an American soccer team that's going over to another country. Yeah. And you act like, you know, yeah, I don't get it. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense to me while the, why the U.S. Is, is just so helpful to all these other nations that they pick and choose, you know. And just Might as well give money to our enemies because that's, that's what you should do. I mean, if you are a country and you wanted to uh, do the right thing, you, you give money to the people that are trying to take you out. I mean, it, is, it makes perfect sense to sure. me. Sure. I don't see why anybody else doesn't see that. Well, we're going to take an ID break. We'll be right back. Hey, don't worry. More podcasts will be back in just a second. Well, we've got the Harbor Light Trivia question this week, but we also have the big, big prize picks this, this week. The, this is the end of the month draw. This is the end of the month draw. And uh, we do have some winners from last week. Alan Kaberski, uh, Ben Butnick, 
Joe Tath and Linda Murray answered the question about the end of days and uh-huh. uh, what was it like in Noah's time? Yeah, as in the days of Noah. Yeah, in the days of Noah. Yep. Uh, we had some reference, uh, New Testament, Old Testament, some did both. Uh-huh. want to cover all the bases. Okay. So it was it was good. I'm glad they looked it up and they gave me references and things. So uh, just congratulations on that. So on Sunday, because I will be here this Sunday, I will have this the swag available so you can grab what you want. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely congratulations on that. But we do have to draw for the big prize. Okay. Which is the Bluetooth speaker, uh, podcast can, Bluetooth speaker. You can hear this. There oh, are all of the names that are in the hat. You can hear it shaking around. It's a big I'm one. draw this out right now. It's the big one. What Ooh, do we got? This is a big, long one here. Linda Murray. Linda Murray wins. Way to go, what? Linda. That's awesome. She's been listening to the podcast probably the longest, uh-huh. and she finally gets herself a speaker. That is fantastic. Is there or, not, oh. or, or did the did the tickets or the, the picture of? Oh, yeah, that's right. Toby Mac. Yeah. Toby Mac. That's still available. That's still available. Okay. Or the speaker. But I, I know Linda Murray wants that podcast speaker really bad. Okay, cool. So I'm pretty sure she's cool. going to want that. I was uh, thinking about, hey, would this be okay with you? Um, yeah. We do have a couple of auctions coming up here. Yeah. Um, do, can we donate one to the auction and then see if somebody wants to buy it? I think we should. That's a good idea. I won't even tell you the value of them so that the value will go up. Right. But you know what we could do? Huh. We could auction one with our signatures on it. Oh, hey. Signed copy of a speaker. Right. You and me put our little John Hancock on there, Jimmy Hancock, and... See what happens. That sounds great. I think that would be a big seller. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. So what's the, what's the big question for this week then? All right. So the big question this week is who previously had five husbands and then lived with another man who she wasn't married to? Oh, this is going to be good. Yeah. So if you can find out the answer to that, that would be great. (laughs) I think, (laughs) I think we need a name. Yes. And it has to be biblical. Please no no one from our current times. Yeah. No one from, (laughs) yeah, don't. (laughs) I guess we should yeah. be more, yeah, more specific. That could okay. be, it could be anybody in the news right now. Like, right, uh, Elizabeth yeah, Taylor is not the answer. Yeah, Elizabeth. Okay. <laughs> right, yeah, you can't pick anybody that we know currently so from the Bible. From who the Bible, was the yeah. person who was married to five, had five husbands and then was currently living with a man she wasn't married. Ancient to. times. There we go. Ancient times. And uh, yeah, if you can come up with a name, that'd be great. Yep. If you can find a name in there, that'd be great. Other than the description. Uh huh. But, uh, but go with the description for sure, because I'm not too sure the name is ever listed. Okay, <laughs> you're not supposed to say that. You know, I would like to see what. Oh, kind you of want names, to see what kind of names, they, what would kind of names they come up with? Yeah, because I mean, seriously, uh, that would just that'd be interesting to see. Okay. Susie, Susie <laughs> from the Bible. Uh, what translation are you reading? That's right. what I want to know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so the woman who had five husbands. It's not Jezebel. It's not Jezebel. Okay. Um, but that would be very Jezzy. That would be. If we were going to say this is going to be a man, we could say Solomon, but he had thousands. Yeah. He had thousands of uh, concubines and wives. and seven 700. Was it? So he had, was it 700 concubines? Yeah, it was a lot. We, yeah, we had to look. At, we'll have to look that Can one you up. imagine? Can't. I mean, I listen to these guys that are like the fundamental Mormons that have mm-hmm. four or five wives. Mm-hmm. And it's a train wreck. It's a nightmare. With Joseph Smith, I think he either had 52... Wives, I think. Really? Around there. Yeah. That's a lot. I have to look that up for ourselves. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't want to be cliche or anything, but it's it's a challenge enough to uh, just be married to one spouse, mm-hmm. much less have four or five mm-hmm. that you have to deal with. And then all the kids. Like, mm-hmm. they have, like, 30-some kids in their, their household, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't do it. Anyways, this woman apparently had five husbands mm-hmm. or five she had been married five times. Married five times, and yeah. Living with a guy that she wasn't married to. At the right. Time. And so if you've got a name and a reference, that'd be great. Yep. And we'll put you in the drawing for the next uh, okay. big draw. But uh, yeah. Now, I do want to report yeah. that uh, we do have some great news. What's, what is that? Really, really great news. Here we go. Remember last week I said, listen, whoever can find season one yeah. of the podcast. Really? Yeah. We have somebody. Did they really? Yep. I've got it on a jump drive now. Who did it? It's a gentleman from our church, um, and uh, I, I promised him the $100, and he's like, nope, I want you to put that right back towards the podcast. Really? Yeah. Well, it sounds like you and I are going out for lunch. <laughs> no, I, I'd like to put it back towards the podcast. That'd be great. Well, that's 
Isn't that one of the perks to get food? Or no? Yeah, I don't know. About no, that. that's oh, it's not. Oh, okay. I see how this whole thing started. We get cookies in the beginning, right? Yeah. We got a fridge with coffee in it, and now okay. here we are. We got just, nothing in the just studio. Getting by. Yeah. You know, I don't. I guess I kind of forgot all about that. Right stuff. now, it's bring your uh, BYOP. Bring your own mm-hmm. pop. Now, mm-hmm. yeah. I yeah. See. Right now, I got nothing. You got something. I've got something. Yeah. This thing. I don't know. We got to look at our budget again. Right. We just talked about it uh, Tuesday. Mm-hmm. I did not see the podcast on there anywhere for line item. Yeah, it wasn't there, was it? Discipleship? I don't know. Yeah, it's not in there. Okay. It's not in there. So, yeah, you know, if you feel sorry for us, that'd be great, and uh, we'd appreciate it. I'd be happy going to the damn site in. Yeah, we should. I think we should. Okay. Hey, you know, uh, did you hear about the cheese, Petoskey Cheese? Is, no. Is shutting their doors? No. Yeah. Really? Yeah, my wife got an email from them, you know, because she's on their list, that they're shutting down their doors, and I guess they're thinking about moving somewhere else. Okay. But they're shutting it down at the like, end of this month. Like still local or like leaving leaving the area? It didn't say. Okay. Didn't say. I don't know what, what's going on there. I mean, I thought they were pretty popular and I mean, they seem like they're always busy. Okay. But yeah, they're apparently not going to be downtown anymore. Hmm. That's a that's a shame because. Yeah, you got to feel bad. I mean, downtown, the rent down there must be astronomical. That's what I was thinking. I was, I was telling Amy, I said, maybe it's probably the rent. Yeah. I mean, you can't, if you're not making, you know, muco bucks, you know, you're not really going to stay you down there for too long. You know, almost every little town you go into, you know, there's so many open shops because the rent, yeah. rent probably just runs people out of business. Well, you know, um, the, the Kmart area, mm-hmm. that's still pretty much empty for yeah. most of it. You got right, big right. lots in there now, but the rest of it is empty. There's nothing in there. I remember when they first opened it, it had stores and everything. Yeah. You know. You know, it's probably because of COVID, you know, shut down everything, all the restaurants shut down, everything else. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully they'll uh, get some things back going again, and then we'll uh, be heading back in the right direction. Uh, well, we've got a special guest coming up. Uh, Stephen Wilson is going to be coming up and talking about some of the things he uh, referred to and referenced on Sunday. Uh, so we'll be right back and uh, go right into the interview with him. Podcast want you to know. God more deeply. Find lasting freedom. Discover your destiny. And make an eternal difference. You're listening to more podcast. Awesome interview with uh, Stephen Wilson, who spoke at the church last Sunday, and I'm sure all of us were challenged by what he had to say. He he was here last year, wasn't he? Yes. And uh, he was it was real challenging to the school, and got a chance to walk around the school and kind of uh, give us an assessment as to what we're doing right, what we could do better. And uh, we had a good time. I remember we actually went to Paper Station. We did. We had a great time. Yeah, we had a good time. We ate right out there on the sidewalk, and it was a good time. Remember the the onion rings? Those. Oh those yeah, onion, yeah. Those onion rings are. <laughs> Fabulous. I mean, can we go back at some point? I mean, is it in a budget or? Well, we, we have to have Stefan come up. Oh, see, okay, I get it. I get it. We got to have special guests come up, and then we can go. Well, it's a good excuse. So, maybe we should just, you know, appoint somebody to be a special guest. So when we want to go, we can just say, "Well, we're uh, we're so, with so and so." So, Stefan, you're you're here with us. So, um, first service, I had the uh, the big mess up on the introduction. Remember that? Uh, I do. Yeah. It was the craziest day. So I had uh, three situations there so i've got uh you know stefan wilson i'm going to be having introduce him as the guest speaker yeah then i have the new uh facilities director uh-huh you know steven anderson yeah and then i wanted to call out this volunteer who had been helping out at church chadwick stevens <laughs> so i just had this all of those names in my head and i'm trying to keep them all sorted and trifecta of problems yeah. there yeah yeah uh yeah just that that makes you really uh, tongue-tied after a while and you're trying to figure out how to put the names together when you're up there yeah uh, so Stephen Wilson, he uh, talked about the text in Revelation chapter 2, verse 12 through 17, um, and it was the church in Pergamum, and he highlights a, a few interesting things that uh, they faced, which makes them a helpful tool to gauge, you know, our current reaction, insights, and activity in a modern culture. Uh, to tell you a little bit about that, that area, the church had uh, some internal and external challenges that made it important for Christ to highlight them in Revelation um, externally. Uh, Pergamum was the official center of emperor worship for the Roman Empire, uh, and that's why you see Christ referencing it as the throne of Satan. 
uh, internally, this church had succumbed to teachings of Balaam. Um, it was an environment where respected leaders promoted the practices of materialism, uh, compromises regarding idol worship and the food offered to these idols, and just out-and-out immorality. And then on top of that, internally, you have in this church a group of in- influential people labeled as the Nicolaitans. Uh, am I saying that? Nicolaitans? Nickelodeons? Nicolations? Yeah, Nick- <laughs> Nick- Nicolations. But I think, I mean, Nickelodeons, I think, is honestly uh, a, a fair transliteration of it. Yeah, so I think so. <laughs> we could go with that. I think that's in the Greek somewhere. Uh, it was a group within the church that, you know, taught spiritual liberty to worship idols and take part in immorality, try to find ways to uh, make the current culture acceptable within the, the teachings of Scripture and the apostles and the church fathers. Uh, not a good thing, uh, trying so, to so blow their lines. Stephen, I really, really enjoyed, and, uh, you know, the historical background as well as the context for Balaam and Balak, and you did a great job on that, uh, showing that, you know, it was about compromise, right? You know, what's worse than, you know, the whole truth is just a half truth. Yeah. And you did so beautifully on that. So are there any other things that you see uh, that are coming into the church that would be in that same kind of realm, the the compromise, something practical, anything you see? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I think there are almost innumerable examples, so it's almost hard to narrow it down. Um, but when we're when we're thinking about about compromise in general, um, I would say that that the the things that are most prominent that I see kind of coming into the church are those things where um, we are we are seeing the pressure in culture to align on a certain side of something, and so we align on the side of culture. In, and in so doing, succumb to the pressure. Like those are really the the modern versions of that. So your um, your issues of uh, surrounding issues like abortion, transgenderism, same sex marriage, um, those those kinds of things where there's immense cultural pressure on them. Like there there have always been areas where the church would compromise throughout the centuries. And so you know those there's kind of the, this this like low hanging fruit of Sure, we you know we're we're in danger of compromising in the things we watch on TV and in the music that we listen to and in the things that we talk about in our circles of friends. Like those are areas of compromise that are are constantly uh, in front of us. But the ones that that this text particularly really brings to the surface are those things where we the reason for compromising is so that life is easier in the society. Okay, um, and that's really that's really what was going on in Pergamum is that you had to follow Christ was it made life very very hard, mm. and so the compromise made life easier in in the immediate sense, but what you lose when you compromise is faithfulness, and the theme the theme running throughout Scripture is that that faithfulness actually brings life, mm. yeah. and that compromise brings death. Like that, that is the, um, that's, that's what we see happen with the fall in Genesis three. Uh, God, God puts before them two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he says to Adam, you may eat of every tree in the garden, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So in that, the implication is if you do things God's way, you'll live mm-hmm. because the eat of every tree includes the tree of life. So do things God's way and you'll live. Compromise and do things your own way and you'll die. Wow. And and Moses does the same thing in Deuteronomy and before they enter the promised land. He says, I put before you life and death. Mm-hmm. Choose life, mm-hmm. right? I put before you life and death, blessing and curse, obedience and disobedience. Mm, that's choose good. life. Yeah. Choose choose obedience. Choose blessing. Because if you go your own way, you're doing the same thing that your first parents did in the garden. And then you bring that to today. And that's the same phenomenon happening today. We, we look at a situation in culture, a societal issue, whatever, whatever moral contemporary moral issue we want to talk about, like there's plenty to choose from, but what we do is we can either look at it and say, what does faithfulness to God look like? Or what does compromise look like? Mm-hmm. And how does faithfulness bring life? And how does compromise bring death? And, I think the the biggest danger that the church is in is actually in the reinterpretation of passages. Yes. In order to give license 
to the compromise. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so we actually don't even call it a compromise anymore. It's mm-hmm. like it's a it's a new obedience because we reinterpreted the passages. That's that's when you're you're in like serious danger. Wow. I think uh, you shared something at one of the sessions about how uh, those people who want to reinterpret Scripture and or apply it in a situation, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is what Jesus would do. and, and But the right. Scripture doesn't, you know, even lend itself in that direction. And we had, you know, probably in the past three years, um, people saying, this is what Jesus would do when he's dealing with a pandemic, and, mm-hmm. you know, and to, to justify what they want to see take place. Yeah, yeah, and like, let's, let's just go down that road for a minute. Like, okay, we're going to say definitively what Jesus would do in a situation. And it, man, it sounds a lot like what I would do in that situation. Mm-hmm. Right. There, yeah. there's almost like a, I think it was Pascal who said like God made man in his image and man has been returning the favor ever since. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We try to create it, the Lord in our image. Yeah. Right. And, and like God, he, he wants the things I want. He approves the things I approve of. He disapproves of the things I disapprove of. He votes for my favorite presidential candidate. And the people who are going to be in heaven are all the people that I would want to be next. Mm-hmm. And what what ends up happening is that we end up violating the, the first and second commandments in doing that. That the first commandment is you shall have no other gods before me. And a lot of times what we do is we then say the second commandment is you shall not make idols. Mm. And that's, that's wrong. That's not what that command is. So if, it's, if it's about idols, then we already took care of that in command number one. You shall have no other gods before me. Okay. Um, so, so the question is, what is God actually getting at when he says you shall not make for yourself any graven image? He's, he's essentially telling the Israelites, well, he first starts out the Ten Commandments by saying, here's who I am. Mm-hmm. I, I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the house of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And so who God is motivates what God says. And then he, he then says, okay, so you shall have no other gods before me because of who I am. Now that you're not worshiping anybody else, you also need to make sure that you don't worship me the way you want to. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right? So it's, it's don't, don't make free, don't worship any other gods, any other false gods, and don't worship the one true God falsely. So the second commandment, what is actually, what God, I think, is actually saying there is, do not make me into a form that you understand by carving an image of a bird and worshiping it. Because that, because what you're doing is you're taking me and bringing me down to your level so that you can, you can then say, you've got a grasp on who I am. Right. And when we say, oh, well, Jesus would do this, Jesus wouldn't do that and what we're what we're really doing is saying that jesus would do all the things that we would want to do we're we're remaking jesus in our own image we're creating essentially a carved image yeah and we're and we're violating that second commandment do you think the church is having a real problem with the idea of uh, faith and mystery right now i mean uh you know it seems like something we don't talk about much anymore like it seems like pastors always want to have the answer or teachers want to have the answer for everything about who god is and what god thinks and what he's doing in fact, you know, it just seems like there was a time where you'd say, you know what, that's just a mystery. We don't understand it. We don't have the capacity to understand it. We only have what's in Scripture. Um, so you got to believe it in faith. But it seems like the conversation is moving away from that. And so you got movements like the deconstructionist movement that are coming out and trying to find ways to, you know, uh, encapsulate God into a form that we can understand. You, you think that's starting to happen a lot more? Do you see that happening yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that... Um there's certainly a, a desire to no longer, um, how do I, how do I want to say this? There's certainly a desire to be the one with the answers, um, because we're in a time where there's a great skepticism mm-hmm. about, um, experts, right? We're, yeah. we're in this time where, where to, uh, to be an expert on something, um, is, is seen as like, oh, well, there, there must be something I need to question. Like the pandemic really showed that. Yeah. And so because, because our people are skeptical of what's happening outside of the church, I think that, that, that church leaders feel the pressure to, to have an answer because they know that they're trusted by their people. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a, like, that's a fair, a fair desire to want to be a, a trustworthy resource for your people that they look to as, as someone who's going to shepherd them. 
But that doesn't mean that we have to have all of the answers. Right. It means we need to have the right answers, uh, which like that's an, that's an epistemological uh, conviction, right? Epistemology is the study of knowledge. And to, to say, like, I don't need to have all the answers. I need to have the right answers is, is to have the humility to say, there are some things I can't know. Right. Not, not that knowledge in and of itself is impossible, but there are things that I can't know. And so I'm going to identify what those things are. Uh, and I'm going to have the intellectual humility to acknowledge, you know, I actually don't really know how to answer. I can't speak intelligently to that. Right. Because that's actually not something that we can know. Like a great example of that is how does the sovereignty of God and human responsibility work out? Mm. Yeah. That, how does how does the fact that Jesus was fully truly God and fully truly man work out? Like how does it how does that actually work out? And what we end up doing when we need to have all the answers is we maximize one to the detriment of the other. We we say we, we can't hold the both end anymore. It's gotta be an either or, mm. which is which is actually really a product of I mean that's that's like cancel culture in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. The, the false dichotomy fallacy. It's got to be either or. We maximize one to the detriment of the other. We embrace one and get rid of the other. And so, you know, we <clears throat> with the, the sovereignty of God and human responsibility thing, we just say it's one or the other, and we just let the other one go, even though Scripture speaks to both. Mm-hmm. With with the, the nature of Christ, we just let his divinity or his humanity go and, you know, take your pick of all heresies that, that did exactly that. And we would do so well to learn from church history where the church leaders looked at something and said, we're not actually going to try to explain how that works because we don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. what we do know is what God has said. And so like, while also being not acknowledging what I can't know, I can acknowledge what I can know. Right. That God has told us what we need to know to know who he is, who we are, and how we should relate to him. And so we can press hard into that and lead our people by saying, yeah, it's Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord. Yeah. Like there are things that are, that God knows that we will not know. At least and, on this side. That, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like that we will not, we will not know them in this life. Therefore yeah. I, that doesn't mean that I punt on knowledge in general, but what I do is I have the humility to recognize where those guardrails are. Yeah. And I think when it comes to our, our cultural involvement, we don't realize that um, we, we think that, that uh, those, those either ors are the options that culture puts before us. So this is like kind of a sub point, mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll look at, at, okay, we've got these options. Um, and what we don't do well is think, Hey, is there a third way? Mm. Is there a, is there a way that in God's, in God's economy, in the world that God has made, that we could actually look at this in a way that's different from the culture, mm-hmm. that is actually distinctly Christian, and that it can be a, a light in the darkness, if, you know, as it were, that we would we would be able to say on this cultural issue, here's a third option mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily fall on one side of the aisle or the other. Um, but I think that there's been a large conflating of the role of the church in society that has caused us to think that the church just has to pick one of the options that society puts up. Mm. And that kind of comes back to the issue of compromise yeah. under the pressure, uh, under societal pressure. Yeah. Do you think there's a, a problem in our culture where, you know, I think a lot of times growing up, we, you know, it's always expressed that we're countercultural when we have our faith and we believe what scripture says, but it seems like we're in a time now where people are trying to do a comparative culture like you know it's almost like being in the court of pharaoh with moses you know you have yours and we have ours um do you think that that is kind of maybe moving the wrong direction getting out of hand even though we're trying to basically make a a good sales pitch to try to get bring people into the kingdom uh trying to show them that there is comparative understanding values uh but they're a little bit different because they go through the filter of god but um do you think we're moving in the wrong direction with that in, in our current culture so it's, I want to make sure I'm understanding the question correctly. Is the question, um, are we, are we no longer countercultural? Like is the, is the way that we used to talk about being countercultural, is that 
Uh, have we left that and we're actually going the other direction or, or are you asking, are we in a more extreme version of that? Well, no, I, I think that we're moving away from being counterculture or being more comparative culture because it seems like when you hear some of the, the biggest talking heads that are out there representing the church in general, um, it seems like it's full of pop psychology, things that seem to be uh, what they're hoping to be a bridge to bring people in, showing that there is a lot of connection between us and them. Um, but a lot of times it seems to move away from those things that when I grew up were counterculture, the things where, you know, Jesus said, you know, turn the other cheek, you know, don't, you know, put up your fist and start fighting. Uh, you know, those kind of things that, that come up in scripture. Um, it seems like we're navigating away from that and then trying to find comparative uh, things to bring people in to the detriment of really holding fast to what we know to be true. Yeah. And I, I would agree. Um, uh, I would, I would probably nuance it a bit, but yes, I, I think that what we've done is, is as a whole, um, we have, we've, we've conflated um, the, the kind of evangelical moniker for a group in culture mm-hmm and the evangelical um, theological conviction, and we've kind of melded them together. And part of that was because of the way that the, the media used the term evangelical for a long time mm. was much more of a political usage to represent conservative voters mm-hmm. than it was the actual evangelical tradition that was born out of the Reformation. And, right? Evangelical just used to just mean that your theology was inherently Trinitarian. Mm-hmm. That, like that yeah. was the most fundamental meaning of the term evangelical, and it has completely morphed into something something different today. And so then I think that what what we kind of started to do over the last few decades is to say, well, we we want to make disciples and we want to share the gospel, and we need to be attractive mm-hmm. to non-believers in order to win them over. And once, once you start wanting to be attractive to, to someone who by very nature, and I use that word very on purpose, but mm-hmm. by very nature, because they don't have a new nature yet, they still have a sin nature. When you try to be attractive to that person, what Paul calls the natural man in, in first, first Corinthians, um, you have to become like him mm. in ways that he will be attracted to. Rather than saying, listen, it's not our job to be attractive to you. It's our job to tell you who Jesus is right. and let who he is cause you to want him. Uh, that this, this desire that actually like you, you didn't have until you heard about who Jesus is. And now you want to be different. You see that you need to be different mm-hmm. because he calls you to repent. And instead, what we've done is we've said, well, we actually want to attract them, which means we need to look like them and Jesus needs to sound a lot like them. And, and now all of a sudden it takes on this, this very cultural form. So it, like you said, it becomes comparative culture, not countercultural. Yeah. And then if we go too far, we end up introducing non-believers to a Jesus who can't save them. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, that was the, I'm sorry, go ahead. That was, that was one of the biggest issues with, um, the the heresies about Jesus in the early church. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just that they got the, the the person and work of Christ wrong, and and so they they just had some facts wrong. It's that the Jesus of Arianism, or the Jesus of Sabellianism, or the Jesus of Apollinarianism, or any of those other heresies, was a Jesus that inherently could not save, because what the heresy did was it diminished. Mm-hmm. a necessary aspect of his person or work mm-hmm. for salvation. And now when I take Jesus and I make him a cultural figure that gives approval that doesn't call for repentance, I make him someone who, who gives license, not who, who convicts of sin and calls people to follow him. Like I, I turn him into just like a moralistic figure. Mm. Well, actually what I've done is I've committed the error of, of theological liberalism, where yeah. which was the heresy that Jesus was merely a human, right. and he was just a moral example to follow, and and that's a Jesus that can't save either. Yeah, you know, uh, we see this in the business world where um, if you're trying to attract customers, whatever you're promising them, you've got to continue to deliver 
And we've done that in the church where we try to advertise Jesus differently than what the scripture says to make him more attractive. And then you're just going to have to continue to feed that if you're going to want to keep those people um, in your church. And uh, that just ends up going way, way down the wrong, the wrong path. So we're, you know, we're advertising a Jesus that isn't the one that we see in scripture. Oh, totally. Yeah, when I when I work with uh, with students, I taught I taught high school for a while, and I was a youth pastor before that. And I would always tell them whenever they would, you know, I, I worked with especially seniors, and they would they would ask me a lot of questions about dating mm-hmm. uh, because they're seniors, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I would always tell them the same thing. I would always tell them the same thing. I would say, "What you build it on, you've got to sustain it on." Yep, exactly. So if you build your relationship on physical appearance, you have to sustain it on physical appearance. Right. And what's going to happen as you get older? Yeah. And you don't look like you did when you were twenty. Gravity takes or if over. You, if you build your relationship <laughs> on, <laughs> yeah, that's right. If you build your relationship on how that person makes you feel, yep. you yep. have to sustain it on how they make you feel. Exactly. And there are going to be days where they don't make you feel that way. Wow. You've got to build it on something that you can sustain it on. And it's the same with what the church is, is building their ministry. You've got to build it on what, what you can sustain it on. And you can sustain the church on that which has sustained the church for the last 2,000 years. Yep. The truth of God's word without compromise. Um, if you build it on compromise, you must perpetually compromise. Because I mean, what we've what we've seen in in culture now, especially, is that there is no like end game. Yeah, there is. There's no utopia that we're moving towards. It is. It is simply a continual um, moving of things toward this idea of progress. Well, if you move things toward progress, you are perpetually progressing. You're never arriving. Because yeah. whatever, like whatever we progress through today, like it's not like that stops. It's just there's something new tomorrow. And so if you build your ministry on compromise in the name of progress, mm-hmm. you will you will be. I mean, you know the 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 phrase with the Protestant Reformation was semper reforma. Like we we should always be uh, reforming in the sense of evaluating ourselves against scripture so that we are not falling back into an old yoke of slavery to the law. Mm. But, but if you, if you end up in the name of progress compromising as a church, and that's what you build your whole ministry on, you will be like semper progressing, always progressing. And, and like you have no anchor at that point. There's no, there's no objective standard that you hold to, to say, this is our authority. This is, who we are because who you are by very definition now is always going to be changing. You know, that's, that's a really powerful thing that you're sharing there. Um, I, I don't know where you would stand on this, but I know I've dealt with it as a pastor. Um, when, and, and please hear me all the way through when holiness is your goal, that leads to death because of legalism. But if Christ, if falling in love with Christ is your goal, then you're going to end up becoming more and more like him because he's so, uh, he feeds, as you said, when we do the things of the Lord, we find life, right? And, you know, I've run into people before where they just want holiness for the sake of holiness, not for the sake of Christ. You're talking, you're talking about rules and regulations, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, that, but, but that progressiveness, that always wanting to never arrive and always, you know, just get into this downward cycle where I got to be more holy, more holy, more holy. That that's, there's a dangerous, you know, pit in that when holiness is the goal, not right. Yeah. Not Christ being the goal it becomes a list of to do's and don'ts. Right. Right. Basically, yeah. Right. And, and, and what you have to ask is how are we defining holiness? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Because if, if I define holiness and this is like, you know, with theology, you just, you have to thread such a fine needle mm-hmm. because, you know, you want to make sure you don't say anything that you don't mean and things like that. But if I'm, if I'm defining holiness apart from Christ, mm-hmm. and I've got all these different ways that I talk about how to know what holiness looks like, yep. and it isn't the image of Christ, right? then I have actually, I, I have set myself up for legalism and law because I have a, a goal that is not Christ himself. Mm-hmm. 
Mm, yeah. exactly. And if I, if what I really, if, if how I define holiness is the person of Christ in his fullness, that he, he is the very, like that he is the image of the invisible God. Mm-hmm. He, he has made the invisible God visible to us. Therefore he is holiness, the standard of holiness. And so then I pursue him. Then I'll like that. I'll be sanctified. Yep. That's second, second Corinthians three eighteen. Mm-hmm. that when I fix my eyes on his glory, the yep. spirit changes me from one degree of glory to another. Right. Uh, but in, but, but too often what we do is we, we love to define things based on like metrics. And then we make the metrics the goal. That's why when Paul says in uh, Romans 10 that Christ is the end of the law, mm-hmm. it is not, the Greek word there is not, he's the, he's like, he puts an end to it uh, and it is, uh, it is canceled. Mm-hmm. That's not the, that's not the word end there. The word end there is telos, which is he is the end goal of mm-hmm. the law mm-hmm. that the that what god revealed in the old testament jesus was the end goal of so if you read in leviticus about being holy before the lord as he is holy and you don't see the solution to that being in christ himself then then you've actually gotten outside of the bounds of what paul would even say you should have understood holiness as in leviticus in the first place yeah yeah so going back to this, uh, I've heard this in when it comes to missions, you know, about making Christ more attractive to our culture. Um, I've heard this uh, statement before. You can give away 99 free meals. The moment you charge for the 100th meal, you'll be hated by the people that you've been giving the meals to. Uh, we try to att- make Jesus so attractive that when we finally pull pull the curtain back and show you the real Jesus of Scripture, then... Uh, then people hate them because they don't. They've been falling in love with the, the the Jesus that we created for them. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it's what what feels like the reason why you uh, you 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 know despise the person who now starts charging for a meal is it feels like a bait and switch, right? Yeah, yep, um, exactly. That, and because you were giving me what I wanted. And now you're giving me something I don't want. Mm-hmm. I think I think that that if we if we start rather than starting from how do we make Jesus more attractive to what is it that culture wants and and is giving into that want something that is faithful to Christ. Like I just I just don't think that we would do the same thing at mm-hmm. that point. Because we we would realize that the beliefs and values of culture are fundamentally opposed to the beliefs and values of scripture. Yeah. And that what what you want as a, an unregenerate um, person in 2023 in America, what you want, what society is telling you you want, what you're hearing on social media that you should want all this time, is actually not something that we want, that, that Christ would want for you. And so we, we shouldn't be giving you something that Christ himself wouldn't want for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, but then if we do go down the road of saying, Oh, well, yeah, Christ does want that for you. Okay. Then we've, we're, we're, we've come full circle now. We've remade Christ in our own image. Mm. That's good stuff. Well, stuff. And it seems like our time is up already. We just got started. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, we, we just talked for 30 minutes and it didn't even seem like we were talking for five minutes. You you only get well, I mean, you only got one of the five we, questions. So <laughs> sorry about that. I mean, we could just make it like a two-hour episode. Yeah, right. I know. <laughs> I know there are times. Yeah, there are times. Uh, I don't think the uh, attention span of our listeners. You know, <laughs> we it's funny because we have in our podcast. You know, they they we have a mix of funny and kind of thing. We try to do like a radio show, which is sort of our little quirky thing, but. Uh, so anything over an hour, they're like, oh, you guys really were windy. Winded today, boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know, but we, we, you know, it's it's been a good time because we get to talk about a lot of things that we don't get to talk about on Sunday. And I, I really do appreciate uh, you giving us uh, just a piece of your valuable time to uh, talk with us on more podcasts and uh, uh, look forward to seeing you again back in our area. Yeah, and I, uh, I'll, I will say. Um, I was a little bummed that we didn't go get onion rings this time. I know. I wasn't even here, However, so I'm glad you didn't go. 
Hey, however, I did have some incredible fish, so that was uh, that was great. Yeah, I had some white fish. And oh, liked did it. really? Yeah, yeah. Where'd we, you take them? Northwoods. What? Yeah. See, I get left out of all these things all the time. Yeah. I, you know, every now and then I may be invited, but uh, every now and then I I, uh, I find out about these great little uh, meals that he has uh, outside of uh, our company. But hey, it's okay. You know, it's it's not a problem. Uh, but uh, thank you again for your time of being here, and uh, we look forward to seeing more of the stuff that you're going to be bringing out in in uh, in the future. Um, and we just really want you to know we appreciate you. Well, thank you for having me on, and I appreciate you guys as well. All right. God bless you. We'll talk to you later. We want you to know, find, discover, change with us. More podcast ending transmission. Now.